This is Paul Nobles from EatPerform.com. I am here with April Blackford once again, sporting the red tank top. April, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. So for those that don't really follow Eat to Perform very much, it's going to seem kind of odd probably. I think most people that listen to this are avid Eat to Perform followers. But if you're not an Eat to Perform follower, um, basically we have – Roughly 20 people, and it'll probably get up to about 40, that are sitting here kind of able to ask us questions. We don't go too crazy on the question side of things um, because mostly these folks are members, and so they're able to go into the private forums and talk to 60 coaches and kind of get help like that. So what most people do is they like to listen to – what we're talking about and kind of the topics because you know we used to do like if you go back to our you know podcast from three years ago it was really all Q&A and you know pretty much it was like every week watching the same thing you know and now having themes it allows people to kind of look at you know something that might be important to them listen to that and then bring it to the forums and ask a question. Um, anything interesting happening in your life right now, April? Nothing much. Just spring break this week and trying to entertain my son. So he he talked me into everybody knows Easter savers, so all the Easter candy and Easter items are on clearance. So we stopped today, and he got this gigantic frog that he has been wrestling on the trampoline. So. <laughs> Hours and hours of fun. Well, at least he's not, he's not like playing Leagues of Legends or whatever, hoping that he's got like a future um, doing that. We actually, that was a topic that came up in the staff meeting recently. Um, so, you know, I thought one of the things, uh, it was kind of interesting this weekend, I watched the movie The Way um, with Martin Sheen. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically about uh, shoot, what is the uh, the walk that they do? But it's basically like this really long walk through the Basque region of Spain. They start in France, um, and now I can't remember what the walk is is called. Wayne, shoot, doggone it. Uh, anyway, um, so Martin Sheen, it, it's kind of a Catholic thing, but. Uh, you know, it, it's similar to, like, walking the Appalachian Trail. You know, actually, there's a similar superior trail here in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, kind of a way to get back to nature, kind of reconnect with the, the world, you know, and kind of a fun way to do that. Um, and – but the reason why I bring it up is because um, back in my poker days, there uh, – you know, they would have all these charity events that, uh, you know, a lot of the high-stakes poker players, you know, and even, like, in my situation, it was kind of more of a middle-stakes poker player, um, would go to and kind of participate in. And so you would, you know, this one, it, was, it benefited um, Africa, and it was sort of run by um, Don Cheadle, 
And uh, he was able to bring in like a lot of really big names. I mean, I remember Charles Barkley and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, you know. Um, but one of the, the people was Martin Sheen. And so we, we left the, the poker tournament. And I mean, literally a who's who's of Hollywood because of the, the you know, because Don Cheadle has kind of a lot of friends. And uh, so we were sort of expecting to go to this party afterwards and it to be kind of a big deal. You know, like my, my wife bought like a Chanel dress. I mean, we were expecting, you know, it to be kind of swanky. And so uh, we get up there and there was only two celebrities that were at, in the party and there was basically eight of us, you know. So you're sort of expecting this gigantic party and basically only eight people show up and two are celebrities. One was Charles Barkley and the other one was Martin Sheen. So I literally sat there like talking to Martin Sheen for about an hour and a half. <laughs> like, you know, and I know Martin Sheen's not like the biggest thing in the world, but I mean, you've seen him in a lot of movies and just like talking to him about his family, who you kind of know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of, of television. So that was sort of funny. Um, and I was thinking of that the whole time I was watching the movie, which I've seen twice now, and it is very good. So if you ever, um, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's, it's very Catholic based. And so that bothered some people. Um, I was able to kind of, you know, um, distance myself from that theme of it and rep and realize that it was just kind of a good movie without that part. Um, some people would be bothered by that. I would not be bothered. I don't know why I need to necessarily explain that, but you know, the, um, it, it's sort of like politics. You know, anytime you talk about one subject, you know, it's going to offend half the people and then the other people are going to wonder, you know, other things. So anyway, moving on. So <laughs> right now, you know, I feel like every podcast I do, I ended up talking about performance-focused fat loss, mostly because, you know, it's me whining about my experience doing performance-focused fat loss. But I do think it is helpful for people to kind of think of what it's like in a deficit cycle. And one of the things that, you know, I, we wanted to talk about tonight was the idea of variety as it relates to how you eat. So when you look at how we sort of prioritize things, it's basically, um, you know, amounts matter, uh, quality matter, and then variety is third. So variety is third on the list. So variety is pretty important. <clears throat> but when I'm in group coaching and when we have a client that is sort of struggling with various pieces, one of the things that I suggest to them is being a little bit more consistent with what they eat and what they like, right? I'll give you an example of what I mean. So normally I'll have some variety of oatmeal with protein powder, uh, Greek yogurt with protein powder, some popcorn, kombucha, steak, greens, uh, 
you know, some kind of dessert type thing. But in general, it doesn't change very much. Like the chicken, you know, there might be be chicken at one side of things as opposed to steak, you know. So when yesterday was Easter, I wouldn't say that things got really out of hand. You know, it was sort of one of these things. I, didn't, I certainly didn't have any Easter candy. It wasn't, didn't really hold any appeal. I had some dessert. You know, I pretty much have dessert every day, you know, in some shape, shape or form. Usually is relatively small, but I like to have something sweet after I eat. Um, might be fruit. So when we talk about, you know, Easter, as an example, ate some things with sodium I probably wouldn't normally eat during performance focused fat loss. Some things that, you know, um, kind of I don't necessarily know how my body's going to be affected by them. Then we went out to eat um, that evening. Once again, didn't go crazy. Had walleye, uh, you know, uh, rice pilaf and then steamed green beans. The point isn't what I ate. It's the fact that it stood in contrast to what I normally eat on a performance-focused fat loss. And there are days, certainly, that you can do that. But when we talk about calories in, calories out, a big piece of calories in, calories out is that your body processes it differently for April than it does to me. But the more consistent you are and the more you know how things work. Like, for instance, one of the things that, you know, is really popular in Eat to Perform Land is Rice Krispie Treats. I'm not a huge Rice Krispie Treat guy. Um, but the other day, you know, I was kind of searching for dessert with a little bit of substance at a reasonable calorie point, and I was like, I wonder what these Rice Krispie treats are. You know, kind of the, the big one. It was like 250 calories. I was like, oh, yeah, give me some of that, you know. So while not being normally a Rice Krispie treat guy, it did fit for me. And I could see a scenario where it would fit for me going forward, right? Not every day, you know, but within the variety of what we're talking about, it's one of the pieces that I can have in place. But – Ultimately, when you look at yesterday, you know, my weight was up, not a lot, okay? But if I was able to eat the foods that I normally eat, I would have been able to kind of predict the result a little bit better. And when you add in a level of variety, you know, in something like an eight-week period, eight to ten weeks, when you're trying to see a specific result, it's probably best to know the foods that agree with you and don't, you know? And the more variety you have in that situation can sometimes be a negative. I would reserve the variety, the wide variety, for the times where you're not eating at a deficit. And the reason being is if you have walleye and you retain water because there's a little bit more butter or sodium or whatever than you normally would eat, you can have some time to process that. If you're really kind of looking for a specific result as it relates to a deficit, 
and you go, okay, well, I'm going to have a walleye. And then two days later, you bring in, you know, some, some other piece of food that is a little bit foreign to the way that you eat. It can kind of confuse you. And you wonder, I don't understand why this isn't working. Well, it's not working because you're adding in more variety than is needed at that point. Um, any thoughts on what I'm saying, April? Because my guess is you probably do have a little bit more variety normally, but yeah, and yeah. I know there hasn't really been a I'm, diet, I'm, a, a real deficit cycle for you in a while. Um, actually, I do have more variety and um, I actually have kind of moved to a deficit cycle. We've been playing around with it over the, I'd say over the past month or so um, and have had great success. But I absolutely agree in regards to knowing how certain foods react with you. Um, I would say that probably the, the sodium issue was more so the restaurant, um, you know, restaurant food. You know, I think people often, you know, think that they're getting safe options and going out to eat. But in reality, the food tastes good for a reason because it's loaded in salt and butter and, and things like that. Um, but I do think that having some level of variety is good. But at the same time, you know, if, if in your normal routine of foods, like for example, like me, I don't eat a lot of red meat, you know, but all of a sudden one week I start saying, oh, okay, well, I'm going to rotate beef in my meal plan. You know, chances are my weight's going to be up just because my body doesn't normally process things like that. Um, I did want to tell you a good bang for your buck for in the replace of the Rice Krispie Treats at um, night is plain rice chicks. Yeah. It, one one cup it, per serving, 100 calories, and put some fresh blackberries on it, you're golden. So. <laughs> right, and, and I do like to have a little bit of variety or a little bit of, of options there. You know, I, I do sort of get into a little bit of a steak rut, um, but – Man, it's just hard. I mean, steaks are so easy to make. I like them. And, you know, it's just, you know, you get roughly 75 grams of protein from it. So from that perspective, you know, there are certain things that just are enjoyable um, in the process. And as you're ultimately trying to be uncomfortable, you're trying to be the least amount of uncomfortable possible. So I will I will look at adding in the, the rice checks with maybe like some protein or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing too, like you were talking about the sodium. The other day I, I, I mentioned in, in the Quick Start group that, you know, I hadn't had Chipotle in a while and I had Chipotle and I woke up with like a splitting headache at 4 a.m. Just because, and I mean, really, like, I normally eat Chipotle, E. coli be damned, uh, three to four times a week. But I haven't lately because I've been preparing a lot of my meals at home and most of my stuff is prepped and ready to go, right? But I did have Chipotle one day and it caused kind of the, the sodium headache thing. And... It was like, wow, you know, my body adjusted that much. But then you start to think of how much your body was adjusted to, you know, the amount of sodium that you were taking in previously. I mean, I will say, you know, for anybody who hasn't, you know, doesn't listen to this religiously, 
normally my work volume is a little bit higher than it is right now. I'm just coming off of being sick. Obviously, I'm in a deficit cycle. Um, I mean, it, it's been pretty bad. I mean, the other day I tried to tried to pick up 350 and couldn't move it, you know. So, and that's usually a weight that's pretty easy for me. So, so there's some some work volume things that sort of need to happen um, real soon here, and you know, I try to keep my ego about you know that kind of stuff, you know, uh, you know, in check. And so, you know, I'll just drop down the weights and, you know, as I start to come out of, you know, being sick for one, but also out of PFFL, I'll know, you know, when to bump it up again and kind of get the volume going. By the way, if anybody has any questions, you know, feel free to kind of get those out kind of as soon as possible because, you know, we will shut this down if ultimately we, you know, don't uh, find a vein to hit, you know, but, you um, I think we I think we all have ego issues like what you were saying the 350 felt hard um, you know for me we always kind of get a Bruce ego thinking you know crap this should be easy for me um, I have actually learned you know to to kind of look at the the bigger picture there's usually an underlying cause like you know obviously you're eating less calories right now recovering from being sick but generally mine kind of correlates with time of the month it correlates with like a sleep you know things like that where you know normally if you're if you're consistent with seven eight hours of sleep and then you have a night of five chances are that day at the gym is going to kind of suck um you know so if you think about it there's usually a reason and then you know bump down the weight add some more reps and still get a yeah. thing. My, my sleep has been phenomenal actually um which is sort of surprising normally um in a deficit cycle oh. i have more issues with sleep but um, I have had a few days that have been bad, um, but in general, not not so much. So Stacy was asking, you look at food tracking and weight tracking for any trends. I 100%. I weigh myself daily. You know, um, you know, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, where when people say that they have a problem with the scale, more often than not, they have a problem with the expectation of what the scale is going to say. And so what, you know, with Eat to Perform, you know, we are kind of talking people to, you know, hey, look, if the scale's up, that can actually be okay on occasion. In terms of food tracking, um, I think it is good for, for checking out trends. If you've not tracked food, you know, I, I talk about this fairly often, I do not track my food in general. I'm actually not tracking food this time um, as part of the experiment, though in that, in saying that, you know, I have double checked a few times. I mean, like I said, I eat roughly the same thing every day, you know. So in some ways, I, I want to make sure that I'm getting 2,000 to 2,200 calories. Do you, uh, do you remember the webinar a couple weeks ago where I had joked that I was like, felt like I was seven months pregnant? Yep, I remember that. Okay, so normally back to the, you know, kind of knowing how, how your body processes foods and digestion and things like that, you know, don't, I love red meat, love good steak, love a good burger, you know, don't eat a lot of it, but that weekend I actually had red meat three times in one weekend. And lo and behold, that day, I felt like I was, you know, seven months pregnant. And I was actually up five pounds on the scale. 
didn't go to the bathroom for about a day or two. And then what, so what I did was I incorporated more fish, more easier digesting protein sources. And within two, three days, I was actually down those four pounds plus an additional two pounds, you know, so kind of knowing, you know, how certain things react with you um, and tracking the weight trends and looking at the food and seeing, okay, did I add something new? You know, did I add three things new or just one thing new, you know, and then you can kind of find the, you know, the red flags or the things that may be causing issues. Yeah, the second part of Stacey's question was, or do you notice it right away based on how you feel or look? And so I think what April described is basically the, the answer to that question. I think when people start coming to eat and form and they start expanding what they eat, their body isn't necessarily going to react to that food great always. And then so April could go, well, that means obviously my body reacts poorly to red meat. I would argue that the body acts poorly to red meat three times, right? But if you had it once, you maybe wouldn't have had that issue. I, I, I've been talking a little bit about, um, you know, I sort of got into an oatmeal rut where I was having oatmeal, um, peanut butter and honey, which was roughly about 700 calories. And, you know, voila, once, once I started to kind of take that out of the mix, you know, I started leaning out quite a bit, you know, and, and, and dropping some water and stuff like that. So, you know, those are things that you want to kind of keep an eye on. You know, it might not be taking something out. It might be just kind of eating it in moderation. One thing I will say, and I talked a little bit about this the last time, maybe it was Thursday's podcast, where if I'm in a little bit of a deficit cycle and you're, and you're three or four days in, where you're kind of eating less and you sort of feel it, right? And I feel like, well, let's say, you know, normally I might wake up at 6.30, but on that day I wake up at 5. Usually I'll have oatmeal on that day because I know that oatmeal is a little bit harder for my body to process, so I want a little bit of that. Occasionally, I think that's what happens with people is is all of a sudden you wake up at five o'clock, you sit on the scale, scales down one and a half pounds, and like you put a shrine to the scale, and you wanna you wanna make sure that that scale gives you another pound and a half, you know, and then eventually, you know, you piss all your water weight out, you know, your workouts suck, and eventually you just go you know, I am plateaued. I don't know where to go here. Well, it's because, you know, you just went too hard too fast, you know. So some level, you know, if I see dramatic, you know, weight loss, usually those are the days that I might introduce something like oatmeal, you know, or have something that's a little bit more, you know, out of the daily routine that the daily routine might be a little too aggressive for what I'm doing like as an example right now you know it's nice weather so I'm able to get out my wife actually right after this podcast she's like hey you want to go for a walk probably but the problem with some of that is you're adding in more work so you have to be cognizant of the amount of food that you're eating in that in that process and so if you're going down too fast you know, introduce some of these things. 
Um, Sorry, I was laughing at your response. You want to go for a walk? Probably. Not yes, but probably. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it, it's going to be dark. So. And just to, just to add on my red meat experiment, I did bring it back in moderation and had it only one time last week and did not go to the bathroom the next day. So, yeah. I believe in the moderation. I believe in the moderation and I do believe in testing things out before you actually say this is a no-go, you know, and not yeah. be too trigger happy. So. Well, I think that a lot of people eliminate things from their diet that aren't necessarily can actually serve a purpose at times. You Absolutely know? agree. And and I've noticed, you know, whenever you see the scale going down too quick or or like what you said, you know, kind of get a little too aggressive, you know, I tend to you know, I tend to not like what I see. I look, you know, I look very flat. I look very oh yeah, skinny. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, that's really normal. I mean, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that you have to realize in a deficit cycle that you'll feel a little looser, you know, because you're obviously not going to have full muscles all the time. And that'll come back when you start to introduce more carbohydrates and start working out more regularly and stuff like that. Um, Stacy also said, meaning I ate too much pizza last night. I feel bloated today, and I know why, but I eat red meat, but not as much fish, although I like it. Just trying to understand how to identify trends. I mean, it's fairly well known if you follow me on Instagram, if you're, you know, Snapchat, anything like that. Um, all of those are, you know, hashtag eat to perform. Every Friday night, I go have pizza. Every Friday night or every Saturday morning, my weight's up two and a half pounds. Every Sunday morning, my weight's down two and a half pounds. You know, so it's kind of nice when you view all of these things objectively rather than going on these huge elimination diets, you know, and then really not kind of figuring out how your body actually works, you know. Absolutely agree because, like, your Friday night pizza is that's part of your life, you know. Why would you eliminate it? And then, you know, the one random day that you feel like having pizza on Friday night, you know, and then the scale goes up five pounds because you never eat it. You know, your your body's that sensitive to sodium. You never eat it, it goes up five pounds and then you panic and then say, I never want to have pizza again, you know, versus you eating it regularly, knowing how your body responds to it. Well, if you're not familiar with eat to perform, this is all going to seem, you know, sort of odd. But if you're familiar with eat to perform, you know that the good majority of the time you are eating more flexibly, you're working out better, you know, all these different types of things and you're staying weight stable and that only occasionally are you really even looking at a deficit. So a lot of what we're talking about, you know, is really kind of a small fraction of the way that you would normally eat. Um, so Janet's saying, how close is close enough for your daily macros? Honestly, I think that's something that people sweat way more than we sweat you know april's a lot better than i am i mean certainly during performance focused fat loss like i said you know i mean i only eat six things you know so it's fairly easy to be fairly close to where i want to be but you know as i'm eating a little bit more flexibly you know i mostly concern myself with protein first carbohydrates second and then sometimes my fats will be off I'll tend to notice that based on kind of how I feel, you know, but in general, I'm going to always try to get my proteins and carbs 
you know, especially around my workouts a little bit more. And that naturally makes me be a little bit more reliant on fat or dietary fat on my rest days. Um, I, was, I was actually going to say that's, that's actually what I generally recommend to the group coaching people is, you know, protein's a priority. Um, try to stay fairly within your caloric ranges on your workout days. If you're going to go over any macro, you're better off in, in, you know, carbs and fats are a little bit more flexible, but going over on carbs and then recovery days kind of, you know, going over on fats, you know, if you want to interchange them. But I think the, the key is, and I see it in so many of the groups, is people are so rigid and they kind of stress out and, you know, type A personality and kind of OCD about getting things perfect when in the grand scheme of things, I told someone on the fundamentals class last Tuesday, you know, I've been doing this for six years, you know, and I think I only had three days that my macros were like completely perfect, you know, so you're never going to get it perfect, you know, so stop, stop stressing over trying to get it perfect. Yeah. I mean, we don't is the answer, right? Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention to people, um, we haven't really kind of done this as a broad launch. So obviously mentioning in a podcast is a little risky, but we actually do have the fat loss course, um, in the app store right now you just basically google fat loss course eat to perform or not not google it well you can google it it shows up googling as well but if you use the search in the app store we don't have it yet for android my understanding is that will be friday so look for that um don't crucify ozone ratings and reviews at this point but we have a fair amount of of content in there and it's sort of it's really good for new people because it walks you through the beginning stages step by step. And, uh, but if you're, you've been around Egypt Forum for a while and you kind of want to brush up on your game, it's great for that. It's $6.95. And uh, we've been kind of working on that for about a month and a half. So I think you guys are going to really dig that one. Um, so Christopher's saying, I'm still relatively new. I was just curious if eating a large amount of carbs, roughly 60 to 70% of daily carbs around my workouts. Is this a good percentage to be consuming around the workouts? I would say, well, first of all, whenever anybody talks to me about percentages, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I really don't, just don't think of it from that perspective. But that does seem like a bit much. You know, I would say... Um, for my perspective, I'd say 50 to 60 feels more right, you know, with some amount of carbohydrates, obviously it, it sort of depends on how you consider, um, fibrous vegetables. Um, you know, I don't really consider fibrous vegetables to be, um, usable carbohydrates from the perspective of, of how we would view starches or maybe some sugars um, as it relates to fruit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do you have any thoughts on percentages, April? Um, thinking about percentages, I think I probably do around maybe 50% um, if you look at pre, intra, post. So I'll probably do about 50% there. Gotcha. So James is asking, brand new lead form program, just received my total daily energy expenditure and have a question about the amount of fat that has been recommended, which is 110 grams. I'm used to having 25 gram or I'm, I'm used to having less than 25 grams per day is the 110 grams correct. Well, first of all, 
you know, when they send you your plan, what you need to be doing is um, sort of gradually moving to those numbers. I would say if you're eating less than 25 grams of fat per day, that sort of is in the super unhealthy range. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't, I don't think that I've ever recommended that for a client. You know, um, I remember having uh, one CrossFit Games athlete that we were working with there. I had her on 30 grams for about three days. Um, so 25 grams consistently would be for, for a male is in a very unhealthy range. Yeah. Um, I need to know more about your story. You know what I mean? Because it sounds like you might be on a really restrictive way of eating and moving back to normal. You know, my suggestion, you know, for 110 grams, I mean, I eat 100 grams of, of, of fats, you know, and, you know, I'm a 180-pound man, you know. Um, my fats are lower right now during performance-focused fat, fat loss, but it's still only like 60 or 70. Problem with... I would say that he's probably, his body weight is probably around 220 um, and 25 grams, you know, like what you said is always, is clearly a very restricted diet depending on how long he's been on it. I hope it's not been a long time. Um, I would say that he probably can start with 0.3 grams because 110, if he's around 220, um, they probably started him around 0.5 because his caloric level is so high rather than giving him a, a ton of carbs. Um, I would say probably start maybe around 70, 75, um, and then kind of build up from there over time. But the 110 was going to be hard when you're accustomed to 25. Yeah, the idea isn't just to go to 110. Yeah. You know, the idea isn't just to go in. You say, yeah. Okay. He's saying he's trying to cut weight. I mean, I know you're new to eat to perform, so, you know, I'm going to walk you through that a little bit. But, you know, what we're really trying to do is establish a baseline to work from rather than, you know, you just going straight to cutting weight, right? Um, and if you were doing less than 25 grams of fat and you still weren't seeing success, I would argue that that was part of the problem and not part of the solution. Um, there are a lot of reasons why, you know, your um, – you know, you want your fats to be somewhat reasonable. Libido is a big one. You know, I would say testosterone is a big one. You know, um, certainly more carbohydrates are going to be favorable for muscle protein turnover, but, you know, 20, less than 25 grams of fat is taking things a little too far, in my opinion. And that, you know, it's kind of interesting because you'll get a plan from some people and it's sort of kind of funny because you, you, he, he's, he weighs a little bit more than what you said, April, um, which would make 110 grams of fat totally normal for a guy his size. Um, and you know, I think that the, there's a lot of people aren't aware of how these things sort of affect you, you know, and as you kind of take this, I mean, I do agree with the basic idea, you know, when we look at performance-focused fat loss cycles, one of the things that we do is sort of reduce fats, you know. 
but you know, and it depends on the individual. Some people react to things differently. You know, we just try to play with few elements, experiment here and there, and see what works for you. But when you go too extreme one way or the other, you go too low carb, basically you pull a lot of water out of your body. A lot of the time, you, you know, that'll end up with less lean mass and kind of holding on to fat. A lot of it also, you know, in the case of, of 25 grams of fat, I mean, one, God, I would be hungry all the time. I mean, is that your, that your first thought? You know, yeah. I mean, I don't care how many carbohydrates you're eating, you know, protein. I mean, that's, at some point, that's just going to get, you know, feel not right. Um, so some level of moderation. But typically, if, we, if you're, you know, just to kind of let you know what the end game is, you know, um, as we move you to kind of normalizing, and if you if you didn't listen last Monday, we talked about why establishing a baseline is important. I would definitely listen to that. That's the secret to what is going to ultimately get to you to where you want to go. Um, and also talk to the coaches, but don't be like you know I got to go 25, and now you're saying 110. That's not how it works, right? We want to gradually move you from 25 to 40 to 60. You know, I mean, I'm making these hand movements and people on the podcast is like, they don't see hand movements. Um, so that that's kind of the idea. But it probably wouldn't take you very long to kind of establish. I mean, if you've been doing less than 25 grams of fat, you know, your whole world's about to change, <laughs> you know. Um, and I don't know if you're married or not, but if you are married, you know, you might want to warn your wife. Let's see. What was the name of the podcast you said I should listen to? It's the one on the baseline. It was it was like, you know, two podcasts ago. Um, it was last Monday, actually. Are we going to start talking about heart health again? <laughs> what do you mean? That was a joke. That was a joke. Making the reference to the podcast that <laughs> that we talked about a couple months ago when you were telling him to tell his wife to watch out. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. We're not, we're not going there anymore. No, no, no more sex talk. Um, there's, there's enough podcasts on that, I and mean, we could never possibly compete with those. Um, so Stacy was saying, sorry, I was rambling, trying to mix protein, maybe more chicken and fish. <laughs> Good to know what you bounce back. Still working to get out of the punishment phase and just move on. Total panic, as April said. Yeah, I think a lot of that punishment stuff, you know, the guilt of, of kind of eating out of the norm, is sort of the bullshit, you know, like if you're in the meal planning groups and stuff like that, it's, it's, it, it's helpful, you know, to see, I mean, one, that there's a lot of people eating flexibly and doing well, you know, but also just from a mental standpoint of seeing, you know, that there's another way to do it without being so rigid. Okay. Um, and looking at my map, go ahead. I was just going to say also for Stacy, um, Stacy, if you just increase your hydration levels, your water intake for the next day or two, and also increase your potassium intake, which white potatoes actually give you more bang for your buck than bananas. Um, a lot of people think bananas. Um, increase your potassium intake, and that sodium bloat will be gone like that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the potato, I mean, we have an article called, I think we owe the potato an apology, and it was based on what April just said. But if you're having water issues, you know, um, where you're kind of too much sodium or whatever, I know potatoes have calories and all, but, you know, it's a great way to kind of deal with that, fill up your muscles, um, 
and kind of create that electrical bond within your intestines that, you know, kind of allow you to process the nutrients better. Um, she's wondering if, like, uh, you know, doing things from a, a weekly standpoint, says if I have fat left, should I eat more of those on my rest days but still not go overall, overall calories? You know, it's sort of what Janet was talking about earlier. You know, I feel like the, a lot of the questions that you're asking, Stacey, are about doing it perfectly. And frankly, I think the goal is really to kind of uh, imagine all these habits. It's kind of interesting. We were just talking in the staff meeting, like we held it right before this. We were talking about the magic of the numbers. And, you know, it's my contention that the numbers are important, but they're sort of the last piece. You know, it sounds like some of what you're going to be, is going to be a big thing for you, is just kind of getting, you know, maybe them to sleep right, maybe the meal planning right, maybe, you know, all these different things before we really start talking about obsessing over macros, you know. And my suspicion is that the more you obsess over it, the less um, likely you are to have success with it. You know, because one of the basic ideas of each perform is to sort of push the top in so then you can use that for a more effective deficit. But if you're always obsessing about a specific number, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a way of dieting called if it fits your macros, which a lot of people think is very similar to eat to perform. And it really isn't because that's the piece. You know, when you look at most of the people doing it, if it fits your macros, Essentially, they're dieting all the time, you know, and, you know, they would argue, well, yeah, but you could bulk. Yeah, you could, but you don't, right? The good majority of them are kind of stuck with similar macros. The body is basically set up to find homeostasis, and it will land ultimately wherever you land, you know, and so if you're not pushing it on one side, you know, you really won't know what your energy levels will be. You really won't know what your workouts could be. <clears throat> and then ultimately, you wouldn't know how much fat loss you can receive on the other side of things, right? And so I would sort of keep that in mind. But yeah, I mean, if one thing that, that I've seen happen for a lot of people is, you know, they, they have two or three bad days where they're really not tracking all that well and it started, starts to go sideways for them. And, you know, maybe their fats are low. All of a sudden, you know, they're eating a ribeye on Friday night, you know, which the more consistent you can be throughout the week, typically going to be the better, right? Your metabolism is not something that's static. It's something very dynamic. And so, you know, if you are intentionally reducing your metabolism by under eating, <clears throat> and then on the weekend, you know, you're having all this food, don't be surprised if the scale's up five pounds, right? Because that's how the body works. The more consistent you could be throughout the, the, the week, of course, you know, you won't be starving by Friday, you know, and then by Friday, right? So, so let's break down what bad habits look like. Okay, all week long you've been super disciplined, but you're starving on Friday, so you just eat all the food. So then on Saturday you go, well, shit, I already blew it, 
So now on Saturdays off, by Sunday, you start to really feel like you really start to rein it in, and you look at the scale on Monday, and you're up eight pounds, right? What I'm saying is, if you viewed the whole week from the standpoint, you know, like I said, even in a scenario where I'm in a deficit, you know, I still fit in dessert. I still fit in things that I like um, because that's going to allow for more and better understanding later on. I just want to add, I absolutely agree. The weekly average is far, far more important than a single day. Um, I tell people this every day. And also to, to kind of reply back to Stacy, as a general rule, you want to make protein a priority. But at the end of the day, for example, if you've got 20 grams of fat left and you're not hungry, don't eat for the sake of hitting your macros. But yeah. that being said, you know, let's say you're not hungry, you go to bed, call it a day, and then three days later you find that on a workout day you're kind of more hungry than normal. It's okay to add a little bit extra food in. Don't feel like you have to be so rigid to stick to that plan because chances are that that reduction of calories a couple of days before that you really wasn't hungry, you know, is kind of catching up with you. So the weekly average, you know, week to week is far, far more important than one day of pizza. So. The one thing that I will say, though, is that if you're new, you know, trying to plan is going to be fairly important for you because – you know, while April is saying that, and she's 100% correct, that we don't want you force-feeding yourself, think about why you fell short. You fell short because you didn't plan your breakfast, you didn't make lunch a priority, you know, you ended up eating like this big, huge meal at dinner, and then you realize that, oh, shoot, I'm low on protein, right? Doesn't mean that you shouldn't. I mean, one of the things, you know, in the in the fat loss course, the, the the segment that I did on meal planning, you know, especially for new people, especially for people just starting out, you know, just plan your meals the day before. Even make it, you know, because think about what we're trying to do. We're trying to get you into a different habit. We're trying to get you to have some level of understanding. And when you get to a point where you start to feel, you know, overwhelmed, you know, throughout the day, you know what I mean? It's, it's fairly normal. You know, some meetings come up, you know, kid all of a sudden has a, a report. You got to bring him to Joanne's to get fabric. You know, and and now all of a sudden, you know, the meal that you thought you were going to cook, if you had it ready, you would have been able to eat it. But now that you don't, you're in a KFC drive through <laughs> right. I talk to people every single day, and they outright admit that the days that they plan in advance and, and map out their food, they feel so much better. And they, they see more success week to week by actually taking that extra step and planning a little bit rather than what you said ended up in the KFC drive-thru and then feeling guilty because, you know, they didn't meet their macros, ate foods they normally wouldn't eat, whatever, you know. So, you know, it's tried and true that, you know, a little bit of planning goes a long way. When I said it on one of the recent podcasts where um, the Withings scale, Right, I, I have a Withings scale. Really liking it, actually. Um, you know, it's uh, it's nice to have that Wi-Fi information right in my phone. But 
it allows them to collect all this data and make inferences from it. And similar to the meal planning idea, you know, what they say is that basically people that weigh themselves daily are a pound and a half lower than the people that weigh themselves sporadically. Okay. Now, sporadically might work for you. But what they're saying is, is the more specific you are, the more prepared you are, you know, the more available data you have, the more you're able to reach your goals. You know? Now, I know we all have a complicated relationship with the scale, but if you didn't have the expectation of the scale always going down, how would you change your relationship with the scale? Right? Like April said, you know, I think she said it last week, like, don't weigh yourself after Easter, right? Um, uh, and I would argue, why not? You know, if you're up four pounds, awesome. You know, who cares? That's, you know, a, that's only if you weigh yourself regularly to weigh yourself after Easter. If you don't never, ever weigh yourself like what you were saying, you know, and it's sporadic, and I mean sporadic as in like every three months, and then you choose... Yeah. The day you come back from vacation, the day after that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, that's so true too, right? I mean, like I love when everyone says, you know, I don't like to weigh myself, and then all of a sudden you're like, Well, I just came back from vacation and weighed myself. Why the fuck would you do it then? That would be like the worst day by far, you know, or right after Easter. That would be like the most horrible day to do it, you know. Um, but I, I think you know, as we start, you know, talk to people and get them to a point where, you know, they're using this information to sort of experiment and see a specific result and kind of use that self-analysis, you know, that is really where kind of April and I started, you know, where we were trying to figure out what worked and what did. And um, ultimately, with a few, few uh, PhDs along the way and you know, various other people that have had input, we've been able to kind of come up with, you know, what ultimately e to perform has become. So, all right, you guys. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. We do have that walk to get to. I am uh, uh, a 97%. Not, I, I moved from probably. So yeah. I appreciate everybody being here and asking such great questions. April, do you want to say goodbye? Good night, everyone. All righty, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.